Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Keep your family safe, O Lord, with unfailing care, that relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on a high throne. His train filled the sanctuary. Above him stood seraphs, each one with six wings. And they cried out one to another in this way. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the threshold shook with the voice of the one who cried out. And the temple was filled with smoke. I said, What a wretched state I am in. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have looked at the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. With this he touched my mouth and said, See now, this has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away. Your iniquity is purged. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will be our messenger? I answered, Here I am. Send me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. I thank you, Lord, with all my heart. You have heard the words of my mouth. Before the angels, I will bless you. I will adore before your holy temple. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness and love, which excel all we ever knew of you. On the day I called, you answered. You increased the strength of my soul. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. All earth's kings shall thank you when they hear the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the Lord's ways. How great is the glory of the Lord. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. You stretch out your hand and save me. Your hand will do all things for me. Your love, O Lord, is eternal. Discard not the work of your hands. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. A reading from St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, the gospel that you received and in which you are firmly established, because the gospel will save you only if you keep believing exactly what I preached to you. Believing anything else will not lead to anything. Well then, in the first place, I taught you what I had been taught myself, namely, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared first to Cephas and secondly to the twelve. Next, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me too. It was as though I was born when no one expected it. I am the least of the apostles. In fact, since I persecuted the Church of God, I hardly deserve the name Apostle. But by God's grace, that is what I am, and the grace that he gave me has not been fruitless. On the contrary, I, or rather, the grace of God that is with me, have worked harder than any of the others. But what matters is that I preach what they preach, and this is what you all believed. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Come, follow me, says the Lord, and I will make you fishers of my people. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was standing one day by the lake of Gennesaret, with the crowd pressing round him, listening to the word of God, when he caught sight of two boats close to the bank. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and pay out your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I will pay out the nets. And when they had done this, they netted such a huge number of fish that their nets began to tear, so they signalled to their companions in the other boat to come and help them. When these came, they filled the two boats to sinking point. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus, saying, Leave me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were completely overcome by the catch they had made. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on it is men you will catch. Then bringing their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter says to Jesus, Master, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so... I'll pay out the nets. Now, according to the fishermen, there's really not much point in casting out the nets. They've been at it all night long, 
and that's the time when the fish are out. And even during these prime fishing hours, there was nothing to catch. If anyone would know, it'd be Simon Peter and his companions. They're pros. And yet, the Lord Jesus, the land lover from Nazareth, a carpenter by trade, tells them not only that they could find fish at the most unlikely time, but precisely where they could find these fish. Out a little deeper, a little further from the shore. Simon Peter brings to bear the practical considerations of the art of fishing. And yet, he still follows the word of Jesus. You know, two weeks ago, we heard the prologue of the Gospel of Luke, where the author describes the reason why he's writing the Gospel. He says, I, in my turn, after carefully going over the whole story from the beginning, have decided to write an ordered account for you, Theophilus, so that your excellency may learn how well-founded the teaching is that you have received. So, reading between the lines, we can see that the Gospel is written for Theophilus. Theophilus, a name which in Greek means the friend of God. And he's clearly already heard the stories about Jesus, how he suffered, died and rose again so that we might have the forgiveness of our sins and the fullness of life. Truly being made Theophilus, a friend of God. So these stories aren't being read by Theophilus for the first time. No, Luke makes an ordered account of all of these happenings so that he may know that the word of Jesus, which he has heard through the church, is reliable. And so we can see that this is Luke's aim. Theophilus, like us, has not heard the words of Jesus with his own ears, and so he presents the words of Jesus to us so that we can hear them and then follow. Simon Peter says, Master, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I will pay out the nets. And so the word of Jesus is one which goes beyond conventional wisdom. But it's one which brings about an abundance if it's followed. And so Luke shows us that we too can hear and follow the word of Jesus just as Simon Peter did. And we too receive the abundance that he promises. Which then provokes a question for us. What's the measure that we use? Do we truly follow the word of God or do we simply take it on board as another piece of advice? One other element to take into consideration. When was the last time we had the courage to put out into deep water? At Jesus' command. Or perhaps we've given too much weight to our own experience, our fear of deep water, our laziness at having to pull out the nets we'd just finished cleaning and storing. There were plenty of things which could have held Simon Peter back, but the fact is that had he simply followed his conventional wisdom, he would have continued to receive what he already had. And that turned out to be nothing. It was in allowing the newness of Christ's word to break through into his life that something truly transformative was able to happen. Was it unconventional? Yep. It went beyond what was thought good sense. But did it bear an unexpected abundance? Absolutely. Luke writes all these words 
In fact, all the gospel writers write these words so that we may hear the word of Jesus and that we too may follow. But I suppose the question for us is, well, do we? When we read the Sermon on the Mount, the parables and the sayings of Jesus, there's a temptation in us to take these words merely as advice. And we can marvel at their wisdom, but simply consider them to be a bit impractical. At the end of the day, we're the professionals at living our life, and Jesus is far away from Nazareth. But it's here that the example of Simon Peter shines a light on what may be a well-hidden attitude in our hearts. We can congratulate ourselves for being the ones who admire Jesus' words. Applaud him for how smart he is and how great his advice is. But are we prepared to risk being impractical from time to time? To put out into deep water? To throw out the nets when it doesn't seem opportune? To follow Jesus' words when we can't see quite how they would turn out to be abundant and fruitful? Luke gives us this ordered account of the gospel so that we may truly hear the words of Jesus. So, are we prepared truly to listen, to trust and to obey? You know, the letter of James gives us Christians some hard-hitting truths. Have a listen to this. You must do what the word tells you and not just listen to it and deceive yourselves. Anyone who listens to the word and takes no action is like someone who looks at his own features in a mirror and, once he has seen what he looks like, goes off and immediately forgets it. But anyone who looks steadily at the perfect law of freedom and keeps to it, not listening and forgetting, but putting it into practice, will be blessed in every undertaking. If Simon Peter had remained comfortable in what he knew of being a fisherman and closed himself off to Christ's word, there wouldn't be a miraculous catch. But worse still, forget the fish. He wouldn't become the fisher of men. There's the beauty. The word of God and our openness to the word of God isn't just about receiving external blessings, or having a life that turns out well. No, listening to the word of God and putting it into practice transforms us from the inside. Could this fisherman from Galilee ever have anticipated the true plan of God for him? Could he ever have expected to become the first pope? (laughs) Could he ever have imagined the interior transformation that Jesus would accomplish in him from this one simple encounter and this one insistent invitation? No, Peter, come follow me. If he'd simply said to Jesus, no, look, um, I'm the professional here. I'm the fisherman. Then he would have remained a mediocre fisherman at best. But instead, he recognises something in Jesus, calls him master, 
and puts out into the deep. You know those words, put out into the deep, was an invitation that was repeated by John Paul II over and over again. On the 6th of January in 2001, St. John Paul published an apostolic letter called Novo Millennio Ineunte, at the beginning of the new millennium. And this letter was a kind of programmatic statement for the church as she completed the celebration of the 2000th anniversary of Jesus and as she was about to embark on the next 1,000 years of history. So, St. John Paul put forward these words of Jesus in today's Gospel. In Latin, it's duc in altum, put out into the deep. The boat of Peter doesn't belong in the shallows, it belongs in the deep where it can bring in a haul of fish. That's where the church belongs, where Jesus sends it. That's where we belong, because Jesus sends us. But the Pope was quick to point out that the efforts of the fishermen weren't what made the difference. What made the true difference was grace, faith and obedience to the word of Jesus. And it's on this fact that John Paul too didn't mince any words. He said, it is fatal to forget that without Christ, we can do nothing. This is what keeps Peter's boat on an even keel. She goes into the deep, not on her own, but at the word of Christ. And we must never forget that the fruitfulness of the church is born out of listening and following. And here's the thing, you know, what we can say of the church universally, we can say of each of us individually. Listen and follow. And so the first priority is prayer, listening. Here, this is what Pope John Paul wrote in Novo Millennio in Aonte. He said, it's prayer which roots us in the truth, that without Christ we can do nothing. It constantly reminds us of the primacy of Christ and, in union with him, the primacy of the interior life and of holiness. When this principle is not respected, is it any wonder that pastoral plans come to nothing and leave us with a disheartened sense of frustration? We then share the experience of the disciples. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. This is the moment of faith, of prayer, of conversation with God in order to open our hearts to the tide of grace and allow the word of Christ to pass through us in all its power. Duc in altum, put out into the deep. On that occasion, it was Peter who spoke the word of faith. At your word, I will let down the nets. And so, as this millennium begins, allow the successor of Peter to invite the whole church to make this act of faith, which expresses itself in a renewed commitment to prayer. Ah, I love it! Pope John Paul asked the church to commit herself, first of all, to prayer and to holiness. This is first, he says. This has primacy. Simon Peter spent many hours fishing on his own, but it was hearing the word of Christ that made his catch truly miraculous. This is true of the church too, 
and it's true in our own lives. Especially in uncertain times, especially when it seems that we too are toiling for little reward. The church can't go back into the shallows, and we in our own lives, we can't go back into the shallows. We need to start always with faithfulness to the word of Jesus. This means holiness. Can there be any doubt that the church finds herself in the greatest crises when she abandons her Lord? Just like Peter, when he denied even knowing Jesus? When we refuse to listen and when we don't follow? When holiness no longer has primacy? Well, it seems to me that even though this document goes all the way back to 2001, the words of John Paul II have grown more urgent as this millennium continues to unfold. Putting out into the deep means listening to the voice of Christ and responding generously to our own vocations. Putting out into the deep means risking the full extent of the gospel. Putting out into the deep means a life of authentic holiness and prayer. And the saints and martyrs stand as the great example to us of exactly that. When we read their lives of faithful obedience, we discover that in the midst of challenges and difficulties, it's the life of holiness that truly brings forth an abundance. It's listening to and following the Lord that brings true joy. And so it seems to me that the words of St. Catherine Siena and well-known words of St. Catherine of Siena continue to echo from the second millennium into the third. She said, Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.